We're going to be in James chapter 3, and I'm going to start reading at verse 7. If you find it, if you'd stand with me while I read, please. James chapter 3, and I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. Verse 7. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grape vine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways... Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at, at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. And it shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's pray. Father, um, all of us are keenly aware this morning of the of the havoc that can be wreaked by our tongues. Father, um, and so often we can feel so helpless, have such good intentions, and yet our tongues are so untamable, as it reads in your word. Father, I pray that you would give us hope this morning, that you would teach us through your word and encourage us how our tongues can be tongues that bless and encourage and build up one another and those around us. So we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So after... Uh, Megan gave the announcements. I thought, man, what a great opportunity to have an illustration to start off my sermon. <laughs> but, but, 
But, but then as I was standing here just about 30 seconds ago, it went through my mind, but, but then maybe that would just provide another illustration of um, not encouraging with my speech. So I'm going to let Megan go this time. <laughs> We all, I think, most of us, at least, remember the little ditty when we were growing up. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. How many of you have heard that little ditty? Yeah, and said it too. <laughs> um, probably didn't have that in Chile. <laughs> And before, actually before I continue on, I want to just, Gerardo and Janela are here from, we, we met them in Basque country. And they served us an amazing fish extravaganza dinner, including squid in its ink and other things like that, which was actually delicious. And um, they're from Chile. They served the Lord in Basque Country for what, eight years? Eight years. And are here now, living in Silverdale for a while, just kind of being refreshed and renewed, living with Bill and Jane Robinson. Uh, so I would just encourage you to, to meet Gerardo and Janelle, and also Bill. Bill started the Basque ministry that, um, as we've shared over the, over the weeks, that God is just kind of drawing us together to see what God would do. Um, with the Coffee Oasis partnership with Susa in Basque Country. So, um, welcome to you all. And, um, so, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will, ever, will never hurt me. Probably the biggest lie that's ever been spoken, right? Um, how we hurt one another with our words, or how we've been hurt by others' words. Um, cutting down, joking, demeaning, slandering, gossiping. Um, you know, sticks and stones have very little effect on us compared to how words hurt us and how words have devastated us, and how our words have devastated others. Um, after I um, pastored a church for a while, and um, was very wounded in the process, I, I've said it and I still say it, I have never been hurt like I've been hurt by the words of Christians. We, we, we hurt one another uh, with words. I've hurt people with my words. Uh, I've been hurt by words. Um, it, it makes me, words make me dread the, uh, you know, the upcoming presidential election uh, that's already kicked in to gear and, and, and the thought of the words that are going to be spoken. <laughs> um, this is a quote from a, uh, a political writer, and he says this. He says, it's a deeply 
pessimistic time. Neither party, meaning Republican or Democrat, is talking honestly or directly about the country's problems and challenges. It's going to be an extremely mean-spirited campaign filled with non-stop attack ads. The whole focus, and this is, this is what grabs me, it says the whole focus will be on disqualifying the alternative rather than talking of our country's future. Isn't that true? So often, it's not what I have to offer, but how bad I can make my opponent look. It will be very much the opposite of the hope and change theme of four years ago. Consider typical communication, and, and I think all of us hear it or speak it almost every day. Cutting humor. Crude joking. Um, I absolutely... <laughs> I, I miss the old days of, you know, um, I love Lucy. <laughs> you know, when comedy was just funny. <laughs> it was just great comedy, but now how little comedy there is that, that isn't sexual innuendos or cutting one another down. Gossip. Uh, often in the context of caring communication, you know, you just need to hear this so you can pray about it. Slander, sarcasm. That's been one I've struggled with much of my life. <laughs> Mean-spirited communication or comments. Mocking, char character defamation or assassination. Just, you know, um, it's what we're going to see so much and we've already seen it in the, in the presidential um, campaign beginning, um, trying to destroy your opponent um, rather than off say what you have to offer. Undermining one another through speech, hurtful, hateful, crude, profane, vicious speech. I think all of us hear it almost every day and participate in it. So what Daniel um, began to talk about last week in James chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, we're going to wrap up today, verses 7 through the end of the chapter, with the question, and this is the, this is the question I want us to be asking is, how can we stop killing one another with our tongues? How can we speak in a way that encourages and edifies and, and builds up and, and doesn't, doesn't, doesn't par, partake in, in, in what is just so dominates the speech that goes around us every day? How can we break the cycle of speech the way it is? So we're going to look at James chapter 3, 
together. And it, and it starts out really sober. If, if you want to look at verse 7, we're, we're going to just kind of start it off, and I'm going to just kind of work our way through it. Um, it starts off really sober. Notice verse 7 says, number 1, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. I mean, everything has been tamed in one way or another. Uh, we tame lions. We tame tigers. You go to a, you go to a zoo. We, t we tame bear. We have dancing bears. We tame cobras. There are people that have learned to charm them with music. We tame killer whales. Whales that kill. We've tamed them so that they can make money for us in, uh, in little waterfront parks. I'm always happy to show people kind of where I grew up in Manchester and where Namu, the killer whale, was in that little cove there and, and where the movie was filmed. Um, I mean, it's amazing. Some people have even tamed Mexican jumping beans, right? So they jump. Isn't that amazing? Are you all familiar with Mexican jumping beans? Uh, it's, it's really amazing. I think it's the most amazing feat that's ever happened. And so everything, virtually any kind of, it says animal, reptile, birds, beasts, fish have been tamed. That, that's where it starts, number one. But number two, there's a problem. Look at verse eight. It says, but no one can tame the tongue. I mean, we have tamed every imaginable kind of animal, bird, beast, fish, reptile, but it says the tongue is untamable. It starts off with really encouraging words here. The tongue is untamable. Now, that might make you feel good, like, phew, we got that taken care of, now we don't have to worry about what we say because we really can't do anything about it. Just hang in there, okay, for a few minutes. But number two, we want to see the problem that we're addressing here is the tongue is untamable. You got to get that. The tongue is untamable. That's what it says here. It's restless and it's evil, meaning it's just, there's a restlessness about the tongue because, you know, we can, we can control it so long, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, Daniel and Stephanie, I mean, they're here. They know how we try to control their tongues. We're not, we wash their mouths out with soap, you know? I, now, this is being recorded. I shouldn't have said that, okay? We did it with, we did it with good, good tasting soap, okay? <laughs> and so, you know, we can control tongues for a while through all kinds of means, through washing mouths out with soap or, or all kinds of principles and all kinds of things, but it's restless. You know, we can control it for a while. We can say, I determined that I'm not going to cuss. And, and we cannot cuss for a while. But then it's, but it's restless. And, and after a while, we find ourselves cussing again. It's untamable. It's restless. It's, and it's evil. You never know what it might say. I tell one of the most embarrassing things that's ever happened to me when I was going to Biola University down in California. And honestly, I don't know where it came from. I, you know, I grew up with my mouth being washed out with soap and never cussing, never, and yet 
maybe it's because of the kids I was reaching out to and the kind of the Christian service project I was doing. I don't know, but in the, it, it was amazing or shocking. In the cafeteria with a bunch of my friends, we were talking and joking and something happened. I can't even remember. And out of the blue, I used the F word. Can you believe that? Yeah, I know. That's... I mean, I was as stunned as my friends were. Uh, because the tongue is a, a restless evil. I mean, it, I mean, things can come out of our mouths. I mean, honestly, how many of you stuff has come out of your mouth and, and it's like you didn't even mean for it to come out, right? We won't raise hands because then we'll know who's lying because they didn't raise their hand, okay? <laughs> our tongues are restless. And they're evil. You never know what it might say and the evil that might come out of it. It says it's full of deadly poison. And, and the picture is of a, of a viper, of a poisonous viper. And, and the picture of it just striking out and, and injecting its poison into somebody. And that's the tongue. Untamable, restless, evil full of deadly poison. You never know when all of a sudden your words, you might just strike out and slay somebody with a word. And, and we've all done it. Killed somebody with our word and, and it's just like... Phew. Notice it goes on, it says, sometimes, verse 9, it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the likeness of that father. Out of the same mouth. Just shows how, and the point he's making, it just shows how untamable it is. We can, we can just have finished an amazing time. You know, like tonight, six to seven. We could, we could come here tonight and have an amazing time of worship. And leave... And out of our mouths comes something that just kills someone. Isn't that amazing? Out of the same mouth. We can worship God tonight and five minutes later we can leave and we can kill somebody with our words. We can cut them down. We can beat them up with our words. Out of the same mouth. It's untamable. When it goes on, it says, And so blessing and cursing come pouring forth out of the same mouth. And I, I tell you, I, I know it as much as any of you, that's happened with my mouth. Out of the same mouth. Blessing and cursing. Praising and cutting down. Helpful and hurtful words. Healing and killing words. Building up and tearing down words. Loving and hating words. Kind and mean words. Out of the same mouth. Within minutes of one another, right? Right? It's amazing. And the quandary is, we, we carry on. Notice it says, the quandary is, it says, surely my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Right? Anybody not agree that that's not right? No, don't, don't tell me. This is not right. And I know that, and I, I hope that all of us struggle with that. <laughs> How can it be? And, and that's the quandary. How can this be? That we who want to build up and encourage and bless 
can cut down and hurt and, and kill one another with our words, even moments after we've praised God with that same tongue. It's a quandary. How can it be? Well, the reason is the tongue is untamable. But let's keep reading, and we're going to find out why the tongue is untamable. Notice it says, verse 11 and 12, it says, Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? And the answer is obviously no. The same spring does not bubble out salt water and fresh water at the same time. Then it goes on and says, does a fig tree produce olives? And the answer again is obviously no. A fig tree produces figs. And then it goes on and says, or a grapevine produce figs? And the answer obviously is no. And, and, And he's asking these questions to make it really obvious where he's getting at. His point, he says, no, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. That's his point. And the point is this, simply, the untamable tongue merely reflects an untamable heart. A heart. And so our tongues reflect our hearts. That, that, that's the point. It's the source here. You can't, we can't express, expect to have tongues that are anything else but restless and evil and full of deadly poison when our tongues are speaking out of our hearts. And Daniel alluded to this in Matthew 15, 18, and 19 last week where it says the heart, the mouth speaks out of that which Fills the heart. Actually, let me read it really quickly. Matthew 15, 18 and 19. Um, For from, uh, excuse me, verse 18. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. And so is it any wonder that our mouths speak those things, same things also. In Jeremiah 17, 9, God describes the heart and he says the heart is this source of good that just longs to sprout up kind and encouraging words to all who would listen. Uh, wow, you guys are, that's not what it says at all, okay? It's not what it says. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And then who cannot understand why our mouths would speak the way they do? The untamable tongue merely reflects the state of the heart. Okay. That's how verse 12 ends. And if it ended there, that'd be kind of a, kind of a downer. Be kind of like, sorry folks, that's the way it is. Just make the best of it. And I could give you a few suggestions, like if you're having a hard time with cussing, 
you know, we could work out a deal to where every time you cuss, you could give me 25 cents, a quarter. And that'll help you not to cuss because after you run out of money, you know, you're going to say, this is kind of dumb. Why am I cussing? And things like that can help, right? Um, washing our kids' mouths out with soap, it, it helped. But it didn't tame the tongue. And there's all kinds of things and means and methods that we can use. But the question really is, is there any hope, hope for the untamable tongue? How can we stop killing one another with our tongues? How can a couple, just to give some illustrations here, how can a couple who are in the habit of cutting one another down to make their point with one another change? And I tell you, it's one of the biggest things that destroys marriages and wreaks havoc in relationships is that we come to just accept, you know, you know, we... Just, that it's okay to cut one another down with our words. It's not. And there's all kinds of ideas, like I said, to modify our behavior. You know, there's Proverbs that say a soft answer turns away wrath so we can determine when someone lashes out at us that we'll respond with a soft answer. It's, it's, it's a good idea. It's a proverb. Or that... Another proverb says that when words are many, sin is sure to occur. So we could determine that, you know, when we're in a conversation, we'll keep our words few and to the point so that we won't get talking on. Because the more we talk, the more we sin. You know, that's pretty guaranteed, isn't it? So we determine to keep our words few. We determine to count to 20 before we answer. You know, like somebody says something to us that's a little, little cutting and and it works sometimes but because the tongue's untamable sometimes it doesn't work because what is said is just a little bit too hard to swallow and counting to 20 is way too long and people need to hear what we have to say I mean for their benefit And so we try all kinds of methods, but we keep beating up one another with our words. How do we stop killing one another with our words? Our, you know, it's, it's not all just cutting, demeaning, tearing down. Sometimes it's just wasted words, isn't it? I know one of the biggest things that I've struggled with, and those of you that know me know that incessant joking I could tell a joke right now, but it would, you know, defeat the point, so. <laughs> Incessant joking. Which so often is wasted words. I mean, sometimes God uses it to break down barriers and, and to open up relationships, but, but with an untamable tongue, incessant joking can just waste so much time and relationships that could be built. Rude comments, insensitive conversation, getting back at one another with our words. You know, a lot of it is just words that aren't intentional. 
It's not those that are just derogatory or cutting down, but, but so, much of, so much of our time we just waste time with our words when they could be intentionally used to build up one another and bless one another. What do we do? Is there a way that we can stop killing one another with our words? Well, the, the, the answer is in the following verses that we're going to just look at really briefly. In verses 13 to 18, the solution is not trying to tame the tongue. I'm not saying we shouldn't try to use means, you know, that help us. But the true answer is a transformed heart. Let's look at it really quickly here. Notice verse 13, it says, If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitter, bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. We've done that so many times, haven't we? Covered up our hearts by words. I tried to do it with my wife a few days ago. She looked at me and she said, you know, your words, they're not covering up when I know what's really going on with you. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. They are, such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil kind of thing. Tongues that wreak havoc, restless evil, full of deadly poison. Because, see, it's not about earthly wisdom. That's not, it's, that's why it's, as much as we can benefit from ideas and behavior modification and anger management and, and, and speech, hence, earthly wisdom can't change the heart. It can't change the heart. It can't tame the tongue. Because it just flows one earthly heart to another earthly heart with all kinds of wisdom, and some of it's beneficial, but it, it can't tame the restlessness and the evil, that viper's poison that can spew out at any time. It can't tame the tongue because it doesn't touch the heart. That's the point. A, a, an untamable tongue can only be affected by a transformed heart. And that's what we see. Look at verses 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it's always sincere because this wisdom that comes from above is a wisdom that comes from God and changes the heart and therefore can impact the tongue. In Proverbs 1.7, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom, the wisdom that's being talked about here. And in 1 Kings 3.9, it's one of my favorite verses. I think it's, if I were to say, I think it's the key verse in the whole Bible on wisdom. 
got you to listen, didn't it? Yeah. First Kings 3.9. It's when God, in response to God asking Solomon, you can have anything you want, what would it be? Anything you want, what would it be? And what would you ask for? You know, I'd be tempted to ask for a million dollars to be able to purchase this building. And <laughs> Anything you want, what would it be? And Solomon's response was, and it's often translated in 1 Kings, I mean, excuse me, um, 1 Kings 3.9, an understanding heart or wisdom. But literally what it is is a listening heart. A listening heart. That's wisdom. That's where wisdom comes from. A heart that listens to God. A heart that is being transformed by God and, is, and, and with a heart that is being transformed by God, then it's going to transform the tongue because the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The the picture that is being described here is this is of transformation. It, 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 the word it, it, there's a couple of places it's used in Romans 12 too. It says, "Don't be um, what does it say? Thank you. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed." by the renewing of your minds. There's another beautiful passage in 1 Corinthians 3.18, and I'll read it because I'll, I'll, I'll mess it up here. 1 Corinthians 3.18, no, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Listen to what it says here. It says, So all of us who have had that veil removed, mean, meaning we see who Jesus really is, Sorry, I lost my place. So all of us who have had that veil removed and can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And it's the word transformation. Same one in Romans 12 too. The renewing of our minds were transformed. Beholding him were transformed. And the, the word is metamorphosis. It's the word in English that's metamorphosis. It's, it's the difference between a caterpillar, this squishy, you know, thing that creeps along the ground that is changed. It's metamorphosed into a butterfly. It's, it's totally different. It's not about saying, how can we tame the tongue? How can, we, how can we reform our speech? What can we do to kind of, you know, change the way? It's saying it can't be tamed. It can't be reformed. It can't be, it has to be transformed. It has to be something totally new. It has to be from a transformed, changed heart that a restless tongue can become a transformed tongue. And so just to summarize, let me, let me just state some things here. 
God's intention for us is not to tame or reform or manage our speech or behavior, but to see transformed hearts that lead to transformed speech, just from the inside out. So what does this practically mean? Where do we start? Just four things that I want to mention here quickly. Number one, the starting point is we need to take our words seriously. Way, way too little, I mean, honestly. I mean, there's times when I'm very serious about my speech, and then there's times when I just, like, it's like, oh, I take a break from being serious about my speech, and, and who knows what will come out of Dave's mouth. We need to take our words seriously that the way we speak to one another is not neutral. It's not neutral. It's not just about not cutting down or demeaning, but it's about making the most of our words in a way that encourages and blesses and builds up. We need to take our words seriously, number one. Number two, we need to recognize that our unkind words are an indication that something is wrong with our hearts. You get that? It's kind of like a barometer, so to speak. You know, it's kind of like a, a way of, instead of saying, we gotta shape up your speech, you gotta say, we gotta look at our speech and say, see it as something that reflects our hearts and, 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 and use it as kind of something that if, if I say something, instead of saying, oh man, you know, it's like, make it look at our hearts, okay? We need to recognize that our unkind words or our wasted words are an indication that something is wrong with our hearts. Number three, we need to therefore acknowledge that taming the tongue won't work. I mean, we read it here. We need to realize that then. If it shows that something's wrong with our hearts, we need to realize then and acknowledge that taming the tongue won't work. Washing out our mouth with soap, you know, quarter for every time you cuss isn't really going to work, okay? Number four, we need to pursue, therefore, heart transformation as the key to speech transformation. And I want to just give you a couple examples just from Romans 12.2. It says, my goodness, my mind just went blank again. All I can think of is the Phillips translation says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. You know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Transformed heart, number one, is going to come through the renewing of our minds. Okay? If we want transformed speech, it's going to be through transformed hearts. And number one, it's going to come through the renewing of our minds being people whose hearts and therefore speech are being transformed by the word. Okay? By the word. By the word. And the result is, it's, 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 it's wonderful, as, as our hearts are being transformed through spending time in the word and immersing ourselves in the truth that's in the word, what's going to happen? We're going to stop speaking out of lies we've believed. It's one of the biggest reasons for speech. It, it flows out of inadequacy. 
It flows out of lack of confidence or trying to be bold or trying to be, or it, it flows out of lies, we believe. But if we're immersing ourselves and renewing our minds with the truth, then we're going to stop speaking out of lies we believed and we're going to start, start speaking out of humble confidence knowing who we are and whose we are. Our speech will reflect an understanding of who we are and, and a confidence in whose we are. And cutting through the lies that we believed, our speech will be changed as our hearts are changed through the renewing of our minds. Number one, we've got to be people of the word, okay? The renewing of our minds. Number two, our hearts will be transformed. First, 2 Corinthians 3.18 by beholding the glory of the Lord. That's what it says. As, as like in a mirror, we behold the glory of the Lord, we're going to be transformed into his likeness. Beholding the glory of the Lord. And so if, if renewing the mind is being people of the word, letting the word just saturate us and fill us so our hearts are changed and then we speak out of those changed hearts, then number two our hearts are going to be transformed as we're people of worship. Beholding the glory of the Lord as, as we're people that, that spend time being worshipers, enjoying God and, and gazing at Him as our focus is on, as, as our eyes are fixed on things above and, are, and we're fixed on Jesus. So often, the reason we, we speak the way we do is because we speak out of such a petty perspective. We're so dominated by this world and, and all of its problems and all of its struggles. My favorite screen, computer screensaver of all time, back when I had a, the original Steve Jobs computer, said, all is yellow to the jaundiced eye. And so often that's how we speak. We speak out of hearts that have been jaundiced by, by being so immersed in the muck of this world. We need to start speaking from a, a perspective of worship, beholding the glory of the Lord and, and, and seeing Him and, and enjoying Him and being dominated by Him. Our words will, they'll have so much more meaning and purpose and be so much higher. Word People of the word, people of worship, hearts being transformed so that our speech is transformed. I've been as bad an offender as anyone. So much wasted time with words. I don't particularly like sermons like this because they're convicting for me. Um, but as much as I've been an offender, too, I've, I've been hurt as much as anyone by words. Um, let's stop killing one another with words. Ask God, God, change our hearts. Give us a hunger for your word to know who we are, whose we are. Just make us people that long to worship, <laughs> to see you. And, and, and to be people that speak from the truth and speak from a heavenly perspective. And so we bless one another with our speech. Let's pray. Father, 
help us as we have heard these words, your word, Father, to leave sober, seriously contemplating these words, not meaning that we have to be sad sacks, but, uh, but, but Father, seriously pondering these words and how you can change our hearts so that we can speak words. Father, teach us to, to hear our, our words and, and have our words point us back to our hearts and asking you to change our hearts, Father, to be people that just oh, become such a blessing and encouragement to one another. Father, thank you that you are a God that just doesn't want to change our behavior, but you want to change us and make us new through the amazing grace that you've shown us in Jesus. Amen.